Well, welcome. Let's go ahead and pray. And um, let's get into uh, what God wants to teach us today. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void. Thank you, Lord, that the church is yours. It's not man's, no matter how much man wants it to look like man. And uh, pray, Father, that you would just have your way, Lord, today in my heart and in everybody's hearts listening, Lord, and watching. And I pray that this bug that's on my face goes away. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your love and your Holy Spirit. And um, thank you for allowing us to live in this season of life, Lord, the way the world is and the way things are going on in society, Father God. Just thank you, Lord. And we just pray for Israel right now, Lord. We just ask God that you'd have your hand upon your people, Lord, and that you're, they would just have a supernatural presence um, from you, Lord. I pray uh, that uh, you would just draw them unto the, the true Messiah, Lord, even in the midst of, of, of it, pending war, Lord, um, that you would just draw people unto you, Father God, there. We just ask that you'd have your hand upon that, Lord. Thank you for your people, Lord. It's through them, Lord, that your word came to us. We just praise you for that, Lord. Thank you for your church and that it's made up of people and not a building. Lord, I just pray for other pastors and leaders and preachers and Bible study teachers and children's ministry teachers all throughout your body, Lord, all throughout the world right now, Father God, just ask that you'd have your way in their hearts and minds, Lord, and that you'd draw people unto you. Thank you so much for your mercy and your grace, Lord, just like that song, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss out on uh, what you want to teach us today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. This is really going to be annoying, honestly. It's always amazing to me that, sorry, this is so random, how horses like flies can be on them. Their tail just kind of goes, you know, and they just, their little bodies shake to get the flies off. It's amazing how God made animals. That they didn't, he didn't make me like that. I just can't have a bug on me while I'm teaching. Go out the door. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read, I uh, no, we'll, we'll read the text and then I'll bring that out later. Um, cool, so today we'll be in Acts chapter 14, verse 20 through 28. Um, last time I was able to uh, share God's word with y'all. Um, we were Acts 14, uh, verse 1 through 20, but I wanted to read 20 again just for context. Um, and uh, man, it's awesome. It was awesome to have Roy uh, preach last Sunday on Mother's Day. It was a real blessing. Um, and uh, my wife and I, we celebrated 15 years of marriage last week. And um, it's really amazing what God can do uh, when you're willing to be moldable by him. And uh, that's going to kind of be part of this message as well. So, But let's go ahead and read the text. Um, if you haven't been here before, we read through the scripture, usually the whole text of the scripture, and then we go back in and break it apart and talk about it and, Lord willing, receive what God wants to teach us through his word. So um, Acts chapter 14, verse 20 through 28. We'll finish Acts 14 today. And if you don't have your Bible, it should be up behind this. However, when the disciples gathered around him, being Paul, uh, let me give you some context. So Paul and Barnabas had been uh, preaching in this town, and um, the people got stirred up and stoned Paul and thought he was dead. So they stoned him to death, and they brought him outside the gate. So it would be as if somebody, you know, we st back then, if you didn't like somebody, you threw big boulders at him. And if you noticed the rock that was outside of the door, that's probably what it was like. It's not like the pebbles in the parking lot. And so... So they, they thought he was dead, and they pulled him outside the, the gate of the city, and then his um, followers that were with him, his disciples, his, uh, the other Christians, they came and they gathered around him, and uh, so that's where we're at in verse 20. So, however, when the disciples gathered around him, being Paul, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derb. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, 
they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the doors of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. It's amazing what went on with these people. You have to understand that, um, and, and I'll touch on this a little bit more, is that when we're going through the book of Acts and, and we're learning how um, the Holy Spirit grabbed these people by transforming their lives and it was such a magnificent thing for God, for them to come in contact with the true and living God, Jesus Christ, that they couldn't keep themselves from sharing about that with others. And we see this thread of tenacity in Paul's life. As we, go th- as we continue through Acts, Paul was diehard for the Lord. Like, if you could think of any movie character that never dies and always comes back, that was Paul. He never quit. He had one agenda, and that was to preach the gospel, and not just for converts coming to know the Lord and get saved, but also to go back and to encourage those that were left that um, had a, a church following. So, and, and, and you know, that's one thing that I think that we've lost um, sight in, in America is that church is not this building, okay? Church is not a stage. Church is not a worship team. Church is not a screen. Church is not lighting. Church is none of that. The church is people that gather together because of the power of God living in them through salvation. And I'm gonna read this to you. This is a book I encourage you, you know, if, if, if you're thinking about being in ministry or if you're pastoring or anything like that, and I don't know if anybody online, but th- this book is called Power and Weakness, Paul's Transformed Vision for Ministry. And I'm not a big book guy. You know, you're not gonna see me give you five steps of the book. I'm really just, this is it. I mean, I, the, the context of what comes out of this pulpit usually is the word of God all the time. And, but this book is really transforming my thinking about ministry in the church. And I wanted to read a little excerpt out of here. And this is just the introduction in this book. Um, and, and again, the context is towards pastoral ministry, but the Lord has given all of us an opportunity to be um, Jesus's hands and feet in someone's life, not necessarily in the context of a group gathering like this, but in each and individual life. If, you're, if you have children, you're, 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 pastor means overseer, okay? Or under rower, really it means servant of people. But um, it's so it, it, don't, don't get lost in what I'm gonna read because I read the word pastor, okay? A lot of times we just check out. We're like, well, that's not me. So it doesn't apply to me. So just don't, don't do that. I encourage you. So I'm just gonna read this section of this book and pertaining to what the church really is to be. A third contribution of this book for coming to grips with pastoral ministry related to the previous point is to understand the church as the place, listen my friends, the place on earth where God resides. I want that to sink in for a second. The church is the place on earth where God, the creator of heaven and earth resides. The church is not at all an organization of this world and it cannot be conceived of in that way. In other words, we shouldn't think of it that way. Ministry practitioners or those that serve in ministry may fall into the trap of envisioning the church as if it were an organization that can be led by the way of a a CEO leads a company, the way a manager leads a business or the way a general leads an army. But the church is utterly unique. The only body of people on earth within whom God dwells. And he is not just among us in a general sense. God is present in the church in power, radiating resurrection life by his spirit. It is the power of the resurrection that dwells among us. God's life-giving presence that renews, redeems, nourishes, and sustains us. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead now fills 
and pervades churches that gather in the name of Jesus. This reality shapes Paul's outlook, and we'll see how his instructions are aimed at having his churches stir up, activate, and increase that life-generating presence. And I wanted to read this to you because it's very applicable in the ministry of Paul right now as we see how he not only goes on a missionary journey, but he comes back and he encourages the body of Christ. He encourages the, the gatherers, the believers of Jesus in these cities. And it's amazing that this is what drove Paul, is the reality that the presence of the true and living God was amongst them. And I was just preparing for this message and reading this book and thinking about this little church plant we're at and how easy it is. To, can you please turn me down? It's distracting me. Sorry, I don't mean that in a harsh way. It was like, like chalk fingernails almost feeling. Um, yes, thank you very much. Um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. So... We see here in verse 20 through 22, um, Paul and Barnabas, they went to the city of Derb, and we see here that they didn't just speak the word of God and leave, okay? There was a great move of God amongst the people. Many made decisions to repent from sins, gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, believing on his redemptive power in such a way that they became followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, not just church spectators. We read in verse 21, it says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. And that word disciple, it's an old term, you know, we don't use it in our language nowadays, but it just means follower. A fo they, many followers of Jesus, they were, these people came in contact with God in such a way that they dedicated their life, they followed the Lord. And all of mankind, human beings, we have the ability to follow something. All of us in this room are following something. We follow the Lord sometimes. We follow the things that are in the world sometimes. Some of us are following Dogecoin. But we follow things. And, and the Lord has wired human beings to worship God. That's why there's, in this world that we have out here, on television, on our devices, everything is grabbing for our attention. Because the enemy of this world knows how to create things that distract human beings from the true and living God and distract human beings from what it really means to worship Jesus. And some of that distraction, I believe, personally, has crept into the church over 100 years, 50 years, however long. I mean, when you boil a frog, you don't just throw it in hot water. You put it in cold water and you turn it up slowly. And so through the years, I've watched just how the corporate America has just infiltrated into the church. And, 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 and if you're in ministry at all, your Facebook feed says how to grow your church and all this stuff. And, it's, and all of it is contrary to what we see as an example in the word of God here. And I want you to understand a lot of times, you know, we say, okay, well, those were really religious dudes in the Bible and they must have really been educated. Well, that's a farce. Yes, Paul was super educated. Barnabas was educated. But the majority of folks that these men came and ministered to in these small cities were just daily people. And so I want you to really come to this place of walking with Paul and Barnabas in this journey going back from Derb and what went on. And so we see that there were these disciples there. And they weren't just church spectators. I truly believe in my soul, that every person has a purpose in the body of Christ. A great purpose. Everybody does. Because God wants everyone to come to know him. The Lord tells us in, 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 in the gospels that all, the Lord wants everyone to come to repentance. The Lord wants everyone to come in contact with the true and living God, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus just doesn't leave us as we are. He builds in us things that can never be built by ourselves. And then he asks us to go share that with other people. And then as we share that with other people, it encourages us more to seek the Lord because as we share with other people, a lot of times, and this is where I'm at right now, I realize how absolutely weak and incapable I am of accomplishing God's will because I'm a human being. And so we're in this dichotomy of like, of, 
of, of this great magnificent being, God living inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit and then him asking us to do things that really have nothing to do with our physical world but have to do with the supernatural power of God being used through human beings to touch and minister to other human beings so that those human beings would come in contact with the true and living God and then people would gather together and worship Jesus just like we did in song and sense the Holy Spirit and then the world look in and go, wow, that's amazing, I want some of that. And then everything that is not of the Lord is against that and wants to destroy it. That's why we see all in Acts how there's this persecution against them. And, and Paul writes here, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Well, that's a, I don't wanna hang out on that scripture. That's not like, oh, God so loved the world. Or what happened to all the little children at the Lord's feet? <laughs> you know? But I love how the Lord, through his scripture, gives us reality. So they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and these places that they were returning to, these were places that they had been persecuted in. These were places that these people ran them out because they didn't want to hear about the Lord. The religious leaders at the time, they still didn't want to hear about Jesus because it totally disrupted their religious system. But there were believers that were left. Can you put the map up there for me, please? There you go, thanks. So just to give context, um, I need my step stool again, but I never used one. So this is Derb, this is where they were, okay? So he left Lystra, went to Derb, and then this is where all of the disciples ended up coming to the Lord, and then they left, and they're coming back, this, this uh, orange line is their return, okay? So Paul and Barnabas left Antioch, went this way, went up to here, went to these different cities. All of these cities actually came against them. The religious leaders, they, they stirred up mobs and everything. And, and this is in, in, in this area here is where, where Paul was stoned to death and they thought he was dead because these people that were here followed them here, okay? And, and ended up stirring up everyone that was listening to them and destroyed you know, people's thinking about the Lord. And they stoned Paul, and then that's where we started up in, in, in verse 20. And then they, he went to hear Durban, he's continuing on. And then he goes back through all of the cities that hated him. And so I want you to think about that. How many times in our lives do we go back through where people have condemned us or, or ridiculed us? Or you know, we're so easily, our feelings are stepped on. And so I want you to take that to, in mind and really think about it for a second. There must have been something supernatural that drove these men to do what they did. And why aren't we asking God to do that in the church today? I think this world out here needs to see something different than what we present through our own human abilities. And so God gave them this supernatural tenacity and so that's where they're coming back through. They're, they're coming back through these cities in verse 22, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. So, so there was these disciples that were left in these cities and Barnabas and, and Paul were going back and they were, they were exhorting them. They were strengthening them. They were telling them, continue, keep going. Isn't it great when a Christian brother or sister speaks the loving truth of the word of God into your life? Isn't it? It really is. We need that. I mean, it's amazing when we have somebody there to encourage us and uphold us with words that encourage us and don't tear us down. They're like, you can do this. Let's do this together. So Paul and Barnabas, they were strengthening them. As I was studying, the Lord brought to mind Exodus 17, verse 8 through 16. Not the verses, but the scene, and I had to go find it. And I think about Moses, and this is in the Old Testament. This, is, this, this scene has always stood out to me. Because see, a lot of times in life, we are built by society to be independent of people. And God hasn't ordained us to be independent of people. He's created us to be dependent upon people. Some of us don't like that. I don't like it when I have issues in my life or my pride's in the way, especially as a man, I can do that. I don't need your help. But I think of Moses and how he needed help from Aaron and her 
they assisted him. And so in Exodus 17, in this battle against the Amalek, if you want to go there, oh, cool, you're already there. Verse 8, Exodus 17. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And you have to understand that God gave Moses this rod that actually embodied who God was and the power of God, okay? It's very supernatural. Go and read Exodus. It's amazing what the God that we say we serve here standing here did in these people's lives, who he used. And now we have Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, but then they didn't have that. They, they had this man, Moses, who was used by God to lead the Israelites. And so there was power that God had given in this stick. There was a time when he had thrown it on the ground and became a snake and he picked it up. I mean, they just go back and read what this staff was. It, was. it was a symbolism of the power of God in the hand of someone who was serving God and who was leading God's people. And so Moses said he was gonna go up on this mountain and he's staying, saying, I'm gonna have the rod of God in my hand. Verse 10, so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So Mo Aaron and Hur were, were also priests. So they were, you have these three pastors on this hill. One of them is the lead guy and the other two are his assistants. And they're up on this hill and they're watching this battle. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. What the heck? You mean, what is that? So there's this scene where we see how when Moses lifted God high, God's people prevailed. But when he became tired and his hand fell down, the enemy prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. Have you ever felt like your hands are heavy in life? So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So they were there all day holding up his arms. Now listen to this. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek for, from generation to generation. Now I want you to see this scene here. There's victory through the Lord Jesus Christ and he has given us each he has given us each other <laughs> in the body of Christ he's given us to work with each other to pray for each other to encourage each other church and christianity is not a lone sport it's not designed to come and partake of some consumerism and go have lunch it's for us to intermingle with each other, to talk about life, to pray for each other, to be there for each other, to support each other, to encourage each other, to read the word to each other. I'm sorry, folks, but some of us have missed the mark of what God wants his church to look like. And this is part of my conviction over this last couple of weeks. We need to be lifting each other up through prayer, encouraging words in the word of God. Now, I know I mentioned my anniversary weekend and a lot of times people are like, oh, anniversary, 15 years. You, you must've had an amazing time. My wife and I fought for three days. You're like, should you be pastoring this church? And so I was writing this message, the Lord wanted me to share with you some things that have gone on in my heart and mind and with our staff here at the church because it's important for us to understand that I am not some CEO and this church is not led by mankind and we're frail and broken and it's important for us to have transparency when we're around other believers. And I'm not saying go air out your laundry with everybody, okay? That's not, that's unhealthy. <laughs> There's a choice group of people that know who I am. And I encourage you, have a choice group of people that know who you are. 
Because there's things in your life that you can't deal with alone and God wants to use those around you to help you deal with them. So my wife and I are on our anniversary weekend and, you know, I, it, it was just this revealing of just garbage that needed to be dealt with. And I praise the Lord for my wife because I was able to be honest with her and we were honest with each other. And the last day we were up there, literally Saturday, we just sat and talked about the truth of things and our failings and our frailties and we cried and we prayed for each other. See, there's something healing when we let our pride go and we say, Lord, I am weak and I need your help. And there's something a little further when we have people that are around us that we're supposed to trust. And it's hard to trust people because a lot of us have been hurt. I've been hurt. I've been hurt by the most important people in my entire life. But if we build our lives around the destruction of, because of sin and hurt, and we miss the opportunity of redemption and healing, like literally, I told Gina while we were up, my, uh, up and, and we were up in the mountains, nothing, no TV, no nothing, I told her, I feel like I'm dying. The Lord's asking me to die. And a lot of times in our life, the Lord brings us to this boiling point. And we have a choice either to serve the Lord, and it might be a little difficult at times, or to bolster up our pride and to satisfy our flesh and say, nope, I don't need to do that. They're wrong. That was kind of like our four days. And then the last day, it was not that. And then so we have staff meetings on every Tuesday. And so I come to the staff meeting and I just kind of shared about it with our staff. And a lot of times people in leadership and church, they got this wall and they're not transparent about their frailties and their brokenness, even with their staff, because we have some sort of thing we have to make out to be that we're just this great leader or anything. But the reality is, is that God wants us to be real about the brokenness of our lives so that the power of the Lord may be present within us. And so I want to encourage you guys today as Paul and, and Barnabas, they, they encouraged these men that were left in these cities that had been torn in two probably because of Paul and Barnabas coming through and the chaos that happened. Go back and read last couple of verses, 12 through 14 of what went on with these folks. But these folks that were left in these, in these places that will later see that their churches, they were just normal people. They weren't educated in biblical studies. They didn't have big degrees or anything like that. They came in contact with the true and living God and it transformed their lives and nothing was gonna keep their mouth shut or their life quiet about it. So I'm hungry for that in my life. And when we become hungry for that in our lives and the Lord starts revealing things that he really wants to get rid of. And a lot of times there are things that are inside of us that we're attached to and we don't know how to get rid of them. It's almost like a piece of... Um, I don't know, something inside of us that's not working right and it needs a precise tool like a, you know, a surgeon's hand of a scalpel taking out whatever's bad you know, and removing it and allowing it to heal. And that's who the Lord is. The Lord is the perfect surgeon within our soul, our attitude, our mindset and who we are. And he wants to transform us so that the world outside sees Jesus and not us. And so we see how Paul and Barnabas, the world outside tried to quiet them, tried to stir them up, even stone Paul, and yet they kept going because the true and living God was powerful in their life. It's amazing when we're transparent with others. God allows healing to happen. He allows encouraging things to happen. And I was encouraged this week in my fear and frailty. And so... Reading this part in verse 22 where they strengthen the souls of the disciples. I was strengthened in my soul this week. The Lord wants to strengthen you and your soul this week. Be real with the Lord. Don't hide from him. Just makes a prolonged thing. Life as a believer is not based on the American dream. Sorry to dash your hopes up. Paul speaks about that through many tribulations that will enter the kingdom of God. Paul wrote in Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 15 through 16, 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So we are adopted. We are God's children. The Spirit himself, being the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if the children, then heirs. That's a really heavy statement, man. Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Again, there's this, this, it's amazing. If you take a look at what the Lord gives believers, it's astronomically amazing. But then Paul goes on in Romans 16, he ends with this, or 17 says this, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So suffering is something in a believer's life. Paul also wrote to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor and most likely Paul came in contact with Timothy on this journey. It's assumed that that had happened within the context of this trip. And I don't like saying assume, but most likely he did come in contact with Timothy during this time. Second Timothy verse three, 10 through 12. And this is Paul later on writing to Timothy. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. So Paul's reminiscing about what had gone on in his life and that he's, he's, he's writing to this young pastor, Timothy, and he's telling him, you followed me, you've watched everything that's happened in my life, what persecution I, end, I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. God promises to deliver you out of every persecution. You're his child. He loves you dearly. There's no love beyond God's love that you will ever experience how great God's love is. You can't overcome it. You can't recreate it. You can't make it greater. It's impossible. His love endures all things. His love is what will last forever. His love is really what the world is trying to mimic. Do you know everything in the world is a counterfeit of what God has already ordained us to be as human beings? God's love is amazing. So Paul continues to write in verse 12. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's a real live enemy that's against Christians. And Paul, he experienced it in these cities. But what did he do? Did he go back through these cities and say, you know what? You really offended me. I'm never going there ever again. I get that way sometimes. I become, I make myself more important than others. My feelings become more important than the situation. It's horrible. I become entitled. Paul's going back through these places that had mobs of people after him. Read back through Acts 12 through 14. It's amazing what happened. Back to Acts chapter 14, verse 23. So when they had, had appointed elders in every church, so this is them going back through, and there's that word, church. Well, what do you mean? They had buildings all over the place? No. And prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So how in the world did a few people pass through these cities, preaching the gospel, get kicked out of these cities, and what was left were believers that were so dedicated to the preaching and teaching of God's word, this small amount of people left behind that Paul and Barnabas are now returning to visit on their way back to Antioch. People may say, how in the world could this be? They had no years of Bible college. They didn't go to evangelism school. They didn't receive the book on how to establish and grow your church in these seven easy steps. People, you guys, us, me, keep in mind, this return trip may have been about a year after these folks became followers of Christ. And now we see that they are being appointed as elders in the church. How is this all possible? And, and it's important to understand, a lot of times we use elder and we think it's this lofty piece. 
Elder means older person of age. Um, it's also can be noted as um, overseer um, or pastor. Uh, and so it's, it's important for us to understand that Paul recognized that there were certain men that he came back and he saw that they were continuing with what God had already started through Paul. And that's one thing that's important. I love that about being in ministry is that the Lord gives my wife and I through the years and hopefully other people that serve here, God, I don't know, for whatever reason, God pricks our heart and mind about somebody, you know? And then we're like, hey, why don't you try this? And then we like push people like, okay, look, go, go do something for the Lord. And I tell my staff that's here, not my staff, the people that serve here, none of us are paid. Um, we're paid supernaturally, so, um, which is a great thing. Sorry, that was kind of weird. Um, anyway, so um, uh, there's 10 of us that serve here and 10 of us that have been called by the Holy Spirit to be at this place. And so these people give time and time and time and time and time and time to do so much here. And I look at them and I say, you know what? You're not gonna serve here forever. This is a place for you to, be, to leave from. I want people to leave here and go plant a church. Go be a part of another ministry. Go take what God is teaching you here and go do that somewhere else. And so we see what Paul, Paul was evangelist, obviously, him and Barnabas, but, but evangelizing, which is just sharing the gospel, giving people opportunity to receive Jesus Christ through prayer, okay? They were doing that by the Holy Spirit, but then he came back with this mindset of these people need to be encouraged and there needs to be a leadership established over them. And so we see this example of the Lord moving, the Lord preparing, the Lord activating people, and then other people saying, hey, go and do this, it's good, praise the Lord, walk with the Lord and continue in the ministry. And so it's just a great example. And so we see here this, that, 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 that they, they, um, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So verse 23, and so Barnabas and Paul were not commending them to um, you know, some, some stage of work or anything. They were, they were commending them to the Lord. Um, they absolutely knew that it was impossible to accomplish God's work without it being the Lord that does it. And this was occurring because it was through the power of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Paul and Barnabas, they prayed and fasted for these men, these people, these leaders. It shows that they had great concern for these churches. And when they commended unto the Lord, it, it was, it, when it was all said and done, it, it's the Lord who we really trust to keep the church. It wasn't Paul or Barnabas or the elders' church. They didn't own it. This place isn't mine, you know? Um, I mean, we don't even know after July what the owner's gonna do here, you know? And that can be scary for some people. But I'm like, God, this is your place, dude. Like, this is yours. This isn't mine. I can't build my kingdom. I want your place to be built. So they commended them to the Lord you know, it's Jesus Christ that builds the church. This is his church. The church is his, the people. When I say church, please understand, I mean the people that are followers of Jesus, not the building. 24 and 25 in the verses of chapter 14 of Acts says this, and after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. So as they traveled, they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you see that it was just coming out of them. They couldn't keep their mouth shut about the Lord. Sometimes maybe some of us need to ask, Lord, how come I'm not sharing about you? Or maybe some of us don't know the Lord and we need to say, Lord, how do I come to know you? Verse 26, from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. So now they're back at Antioch. Can you go to that map again, please? We'll be done shortly, folks. Map and go. I practice that all day. I'm just kidding. So, so now they're back right here at Antioch. 
And you see all the arrows kind of point to there? That became the epicenter of where the gospel was spread. And that, this is out in Asia. It's amazing. The Lord said, you know, hey, you know, you can't, to, to the Jews, you can't keep my, my salvation forever. It's got to go out to the rest of the world. And so um, it's amazing, this account. So they come back to Antioch, where they had started from, and uh, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work. I want you to listen to that for a second. Commended to the what? The grace of God. Not commended to accomplish this, not commended to be this, not the grace of God. It's by the grace of God that we can do these things. By his grace. His un, grace means unmerited favor. In other words, he loves us in spite of us. And I don't mean loves us in spite of us so we can keep doing whatever we want to do that's against God. It says love that draws us to repentance. That word repentance means a changing of mind as it pertains to a spiritual conversion. In other words, what you think of God, what you think of Jesus, what you think of the Bible and all these things, the Lord wants to change how that is and put what his word says about all of those things inside of you so you go, okay, I get that, Lord. Because see, God made all of mankind to have a relationship with him. We all have this God-shaped hole inside of us and the Lord wants to fill it all the time. So now they're back at Antioch where they had started. And... uh by God's grace, like I had mentioned, anything pertaining to the ministry of his church is by his grace. And they completed this work. Now, this was the first missionary journey of others to come. So it wasn't completed and they were done. It was just this one missionary journey. Verse 27, 28, now when they had come and gathered to the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles so they stayed here a long time with the disciples. And you think, well, Gentiles, what does that mean? Anyone who's not Jewish is a Gentile. And in the very beginning, um, only the Jewish uh, folks were those that received the word. The word of God came to them through the Old Testament. I mean, it, it was just a Jewish thing. And Gentiles, non, non-Jewish folks who were uncircumcised, it, there was this divide where the Jews were like, okay, you're Gentiles, you're dirty, we're not part of you. And um, earlier in Acts, it talks about how this unfolded and the Holy Spirit moved believers, being Paul, um, Luke, a, a bunch of other people to, um, um, to, uh, to move past that. And Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles. And so he comes back to a group of Jews exclaiming, this miraculous work because at the time it was like only God did things with Jews and now they're saying, look at everything that God did. In fact, he's planting churches and Gentiles are now leaders of these churches. And so it's important to note this word church, again, is never referring to a building. It's referring to true believers in Jesus Christ. Through time, we've kind of minced the word church in our culture and we've made it something that it's not. So could you imagine, though, this first missionary report? That's what it was. It was a missionary report. The sharing of all that God had done, all of the things that had, that had done through Paul and Barnabas, the people's lives that were changed, how the Holy Spirit had healed people, had saved people from their sins, had established churches amongst non-Jewish people. What a magnificent testimony this must have been. And I kind of touched on this earlier. You know, what is church? It's not a stage. It's not spectacular singers and musicians that play songs that heightens your mental and emotional status to giddiness. It's not the lights. It's not the preacher. It's not the programs. It, it needs to be the place where we find comfort where we find the Lord, where we find true and everlasting life. And these followers of Jesus who were so bold, man, they knew that that's what was going on. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, I'm gonna close with this, says this. Go there and make disciples of all the nations. In other words, make followers of Jesus throughout the whole world is what it's saying. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. That's what this is. When it says all things I've commanded, it means everything in the word of God. Observe what's in here. Not man, not man's concepts, not a get well quick checkup of some life hacks. It's not what it's saying. 
speaking about the word of God. So command them, observe all things that I have commanded you and, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is Jesus speaking. He's giving this, this exhortation, this mandate to the disciples. And I love that at the end, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus promises that he is with us and the end of the age is when all of this ends and he will live with, we'll live with him for eternity. And he is all-knowing, all all-powerful. God's word says he is love. And it's just a magnificent thing to see um, how the Lord is unfolding the, struct, the real structure of what church should look like and, and how, how Paul and Barnabas encouraged these people. Could you imagine these, these laymen that, that, that were in these, these cities that had persecuted Paul so greatly and chased him from one, you know, a hundred miles away to another and, and these little churches being left there and them being faithful to the Lord and faithful to, to the teachings of the gospel. And then, and then here comes the great evangelist coming, hey man, you're just like me, praise the Lord, let's keep going. It's just a magnificent thing. And, and you know what, I need that in my life every day. I need encouragement and you guys do too because you're humans. You know, there's nothing different between somebody who stands up in a church of 5,000 or, or two we're all humans and we all need the Lord and we all need to, to have a sense of what the body of Christ is to be. And that's love and grace and forgiveness and prayer and, and sometimes transparency and sometimes hard things. Like my, my time with my wife, you know, and you think, okay, you know, you're, you know, you're married, you gotta work through your issues. Well, no, my wife is my spiritual partner for life. And, 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 and things come out that need to be dealt with and, and then it's not, she's not my wife anymore. It just sounds weird. She's my best friend who prays for me and, 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 and petitions the Lord for me. And, 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 and there's something, maybe you need a friend like that in your life. And there's something amazing about that. And I'm, and, and you know, Gina and I, we're messy people, man. And I'm telling you, last weekend, I, I, the, it, when we're honest with the Lord, he does miracles. And um, I'm just gonna leave with that. And, and that's what these people were doing. The Lord had met these men and the Lord was empowering them for miracles. And you know, um, one last thing. When I say miracles, I don't mean something so drastic that, you know, it's like glitzy and glamoury and big and, and, and like, a, like, like a big top show. I mean, the miracle of the Lord actually changing us on the inside. That's the miracle. And that's, that's what happened on my trip with Gina because of transparency. And she encouraged me and how Paul encouraged these people. I just can't imagine, you know, how maybe some of these men that were, were in these churches, they were just reading the word and worshiping Jesus. Maybe they were afraid because they were in persecuted cities. And here came this, their strong brother in the Lord to say, hey, keep going. So man, keep going. The Lord wants to encourage you with that today. Stay strong. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your mercy and grace and, and we stay strong in you, Lord. We stay strong because we're able to, to bond, Lord, and, and have community in the body. And your church, Lord, your people, it's something miraculous. You, you put a bunch of people in a room that have absolutely different backgrounds and have absolutely different lifestyles and the one thing that unifies them is Jesus. And then you ask us to do things for you, Lord, in this world, and, and, it, and it goes against who we are, Lord, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it ruffles our feathers, and it, and it causes us to feel weak and incompetent. And then in our weakness, you say, I can be strong in you. Lord, it's so backwards to what we're told all the time. But yet you are our loving Father. I thank you that you love each and every person here, God. You have a plan for their life, and I don't mean plan necessarily for ministry, but you have a plan to right the wrongs, to heal the broken paths, to, to bind up the wounds, to, to remove the enemy of their soul. Lord, you have the power to heal relationships, God. You have the power to change our thinking about things the power, Lord, to save people from eternally being separated from you. 
Thank you for that, God. Thank you that all of those things have nothing to do with us. And so we can come to you and say, yay and amen. Do these things, Lord. Change our lives so that people would see Jesus. Change our lives so that we would feel whole. Change our lives so that we would be satisfied with with you and not trying to be satisfied with everything else around us, God. Please, Lord. Lord, I pray for all of Hearst. I pray you would bless this city, God. 13,656 souls in this community. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would save one, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this youth ministry that we stepped out in faith and kids came, Lord. Us adults, we're dumb. We can't figure out how to go anywhere and kids are just like, oh, hot dogs. Lord, you tell us to come to you as a little child, trusting. Help us to do that, God. Forgive us when we don't. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the food that we're gonna have today. Lord, that it would just be a great moment, Lord, to just hang out and and eat and fellowship, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One thing I wanted to say, um, the Lord has really moved upon my heart that um, we need to be reaching this community and not just setting up church and just coming out on Sundays. So that's why we're taking a break from men's study. We're gonna start actually going door to door. And after the women's study, we're just really gonna focus on reaching this community. That's my prayer. God, what does it look like to reach all of Hearst? I think of all these people out here and why would they come here? What does that mean, you know? And, and we don't do it to fill seats. I wanna see people changed by the power of the Lord and be trained up and sent out and do ministry, you know? And have this repetitive thing like what we see in Acts. And so we're just... Thinking of ways to connect with the community, we're gonna have community movie night out in the backyard and we have a VBS coming up and um, we're gonna have other things, opportunities during the week to go out and talk with people. And so if that's something you're interested in, man, it is an adventure. You think living life, driving in your car in Sacramento is an adventure? Go walking with us and praying with us and talking with people about the Lord and you'll see what happens. It's an amazing thing. So God bless you guys.